0: for the makers and breakers.
1: G'day there, Jules Lund here. Startup Nation celebrates all things startup. And for this app, you're going to meet two guys who just last year celebrated half a million tickets sold, over 250 events and festivals hosted, 1,000 music artists booked and over 99 artist tours delivered. Yep, Nick Greco and Christian Sorayao are two of four founders behind Australia's largest independently owned music and events company, Untitled Group, And I think you are going to love their story.
0: The big event arm is our our festival's arm. So that was started uh, in 2014 with Beyond the Valley, our very first festival. From that, we launched Grapevine Festival, which is a national touring festival. Then we have Pitch, which takes place in March. It's another camping festival. Wildlands, which takes place all around Beyond the Valley. So we create a run for international talent to come into the country over New Year's. They can come in, play four to five shows, makes it worthwhile oh, for them to come in. Um, uh, that's and, and then the Australian Open as well, which we have finals festival, which is a, yeah. a festival product that we created inside the Australian Open. Um, <laughs> from, from the festival division, we've then created our touring arm. So the touring arm feeds into the festivals, but we tour talent all throughout the year as well to keep the office nice and busy.
2: And then in addition to that, uh, more recently, we've created some verticals within the company. So that is Underscore, our marketing and creative agency. We have recently started a vodka company um, called Ugly Vodka. Uh, And uh, we have a booking agency as well called Proxy.
1: Underscore is epic because I saw the other day within the Australian Oma that you're talking about, you guys we were able to get 500 influencers through the gates and it was a massive campaign. And I remember seeing it in uh, LinkedIn and your team have done an incredible job and I was just like commenting going, give these guys some awards. Like this is, it's epic, it's brilliant. So it's really exciting. Can you sort of, can you tell me how all this started? Was it in a nightclub, the idea?
0: Pretty much. uh, The first event the four of us worked on together was a Saturday nightclub called Treehouse Fourteen years ago, yeah, thirteen like years that. ago, and we just—how we, old were you? I was the oldest, and I think that was
2: twenty-one, yeah. 22. I was, wow. I was nineteen or something. I mean, yeah. the the story goes we. I was running uh, school debutant and formal after parties at my parents' house. Oh yeah, cousin's
1: yep. the DJ. <laughs> so
2: that's how it, that's how I started, and and <laughs> I got to meet one of our business partners, Mike, as he was trying to talk his way into the party. Um, Which he and, always does and, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> and um, and then we got to know each other, and uh, the four of us kind of all uh, were all of the same opinion that we needed to start a nightclub, and yeah. we all got together and started Treehouse at that point back in two 2000- thousand. 12. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So you're um, starting a nightclub or a night at a nightclub? A night at a nightclub. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Gotcha. And
2: um, that went off really quickly. We were doing upwards of 2,000 people every Saturday night. Um, and then uh, fast forward about 18 months, we then um, closed that off and then started uh, what was Australia's uh, biggest nightclub at the time, which was anyway, um, at the Palace Theatre. We were doing about 3,000 people every Saturday night. and Wow. that um is what kind of gave us the financial resources to be able to take that leap into music festivals which is i guess what we always wanted to do Mm. um and and that's how beyond the valley was born Mm. it taught us every element
0: from programming this this massive super club um we had to book headliners how to negotiate how to run a budget how to be creative how to use the production and all those elements and it was that experience which kind of made us feel comfortable to take Mm. that next leap.
1: What do you think was your secret sauce? Like, obviously, it worked during those nights. What do you think you were tapping into or what was the expression that was able to be so magnetic for others? The thing for us is that the reason why
2: we do this is to create unforgettable experiences for people. Yeah. And... That's kind of how we started it out with the nightclub. Like, it wasn't just for us to start the nightclub and have a DJ and and drinks and that's it. It was like... Treehouse was, had to be this whole creative masterpiece with uh, Phil, our business partner, coming in and wanting to deck out the club with decor every single night. And we had dress-up theme parties and things like wow. that. It started with that. And one of our, I guess, one of our advantages when we first started was we were lucky enough to be the same age as the people we were, yeah. you know, wanting to attend yeah. the club. So.
1: And you were only doing it to pick up. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a great incentive.
2: And the drink cards. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: drink cards, number one. <laughs> Big ideas, right? So Phil is – you were talking about Phil was like, right, want to deck it out in decor. How are you guys managing budgets? Was there ever a time where you're losing money? Were your ideas too big at times? When did it sort of – when did it actually not stretch and there was just like, shit, there's a bit of friction here? We're not getting enough people or something's going wrong?
0: Yeah. Uh, I think the moment that you'll probably remember as well was <laughs> Beyond <laughs> the Valley Year yeah. One. Um, <laughs> we didn't have a budget for that festival until – the day before we opened, we didn't even know that's what you kind of had to do when you're starting a festival of that size. And we lost a million dollars that year wow. and we were 21, 22, really young, but we created a product that we knew
1: Holy. everyone
0: loved. Everyone had a great experience. We knew we had something. So we doubled down year two and it sold
2: out. Yeah. The difference between running a weekly nightclub was that like it was just consistency and we were full every week and yeah. you know, we were kind of, we, we, we had a general idea that we were making money we weren't really as diligent as we are now. Um, It really took the shock of a big festival like Beyond the Valley that made us realise we've got to kind of uh, level up the finances here. Yeah, an expensive lesson. (laughs) That's
1: so cool. And thank you so much for offering that up because you know there's plenty of people listening and that's a massive swing. So what was the missing bit? Did you take for granted or underestimate what it's like to already have traffic?
0: When you create a new festival property, it you just don't get the numbers that you want in the first year. You need to have brand awareness, yeah. and that, that takes time. So we were a few thousand people short that year from what our break even was going to be, and it takes a while to flip those properties. Even all the properties we've created, they ha- they don't come at the mark, and you're
2: yeah. you're cleaning up in that first year. It takes a while for the audience mm. to become accustomed to them. But it's it, generally known in the industry that year one is the year you lose your money. Year two, if you're lucky, you'll break even. And year three, you you tend to start making money. So it's minimum three-year exercise.
1: But I suppose in that what you didn't compromise on was the experience in year one. Otherwise, you wouldn't have break even the second year and then made money from there. And so... That's you were giving, you know, you were were customer-focused. We
2: actually learned a very big lesson year two. We've learned a lot of lessons (laughs) along the way. Good,
1: we'll share them. That's what the show's about.
2: Well, I mean, year two, you're absolutely right. We invested so much into the experience in year one and everybody had an amazing time, so we were confident to double down on year two. The problem we had with year two was that we... Were we we d- doubled our ticket sales and we grew really quickly, um, and we had a lot of growth problems in year two. So, so
1: meaning like, so the customer experience may not have been as magical as the first because there was a bit of a stretch. Yeah, we lost some of that. Yeah, yeah there was okay. a lot of.
2: We had to move venues. That was one thing. Then yeah. there was learning in that. There was a lot more people to deal with, and that comes with a new set of challenges. Forty degree heat as well. It which was is it shocking. Was weather well, problems.
1: I I love that in events. Like it's not like a product where you find the flavours and then the pressures off. You guys got 50 mil of rain pretty much on Christmas Day yes. ahead of <laughs> uh, Beyond the Valley this year. So you, even when you do everything right, the place is just a mud fest.
2: Yep. Yeah, this year was actually pretty insane with the with the rain we copped on Christmas Day. <laughs> Christmas for the last 10 years hasn't been the same, to be honest. It's just stressing at the dinner table or the lunch yeah. table with the family. But um, unfortunately, yeah, the, the rain hit us really hard, um, and we went, we kicked straight into gear. Our whole team were amazing. We had, um, a severely damaged, uh, dance dome and, um, a mud pit, as you yeah. said. And uh, the whole team jumped in Boxing Day yeah. and we got a whole lot of machinery and extra staff. We sent right. all of the, the roofing for the structure back into, into town to get repaired. And with minutes to spare, we opened up the stage and it was as if it never happened. It's kind of the thrill. Of yeah, yeah, events. yeah. Like, it's we, addictive. Yeah, we do love it. <laughs> you never
0: know what you're going to get. Every day yeah. is different. Every year is different.
1: Gentlemen, let's talk about launching a business with four founders. What is that like?
0: It sounds like it wouldn't, but it works really well. We, we did a personality test about 12 months ago. Who lost? <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the four of us sit in absolutely different quadrants. In, yeah. in that test. Oh, really? Where? Yeah.
1: Which one did you do? The disc profile where you got dominant, inspiring, supportive, or did you do like a no. Maya Briggs? Yeah, yeah, my Maya Briggs. Briggs. Yeah. Oh, I've just done one. I'm waiting for the results to come back. Yeah. I, I reckon I'm going to be genius. Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I <laughs> yeah. found
2: it pretty funny because my um, my personality trait was promoter. So that You're was perfect. You're joking. <laughs> <laughs> you got the
1: right job. Yeah, exactly. Self-promoter because <laughs> I would have nailed that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we um we got told that it's uh, very very common in a lot of partnerships that people are on different ends of the personality spectrum yeah. and a lot of times it can work totally against people because they just you know they have very different, different ways of looking at everything yeah. um we uh see it very differently we we perfectly harmonize with each other and i think that's a, a big reason why we've been in partnership for so long mm, and we and we don't we don't fight as well and
1: well oh, that's a danger i reckon in, those people we're passionate that, we're passionate, we're passionate. Yeah. We're i like tiff, people we don't fight yeah i like people who um who fight because, you know, so I've got a I've got a CEO and we've been together for about eight or nine years and we are exactly opposite ends of the spectrum. And I actually think the greatest benefit of the whole venture that is Tribe is how he and I have, I love your word there, harmonized. But better yet, you actually bring each other closer towards, I suppose, more normality. You know, mm. you sort of, you know, he was really... At times, unemotional. I was too emotional, and so we've sort of helped each other. He's more playful, and all of a sudden, I'm more of a grown up. And so, how do you? How do the four of you work? How does it work? And what was it like in the early stages that you knew it could work? Like, what were you experiencing? And does someone take the lead? Or
0: Mm. in the early days with the club nights, it was kind of the four of us. Pulled people in from different pockets of community. So that's how that worked really well that first 12 months. Like I was based more south side, Christian was dealing with more of a uni audience, Phil yeah. and Mike were north side. So together we were able to pull 2,000 people, 3,000 people to these events. What then happened naturally when we started the second club night anyway, we split into our different roles. So I I now head up the talent department at yeah. Untitled. So I bought the programming, the touring team, all that side of the business. And that kind of stems back to Ten years ago, programming the the club and working that out. Yeah. Christian's heading business operations uh, and finance, and that started with the the budgeting and operations of the club. And Phil's creative director, which came from being super creative on the nightclubs. And Mike is business development, and he, he's going out crazy ideas, bringing things in, and it funnels through to
2: the four wow. of us. So we've just
1: Avengers. Everyone's got their superpower.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And I mean, the way I like to say it is like. The people like Micah out there, he's an opportunities guy. He brings yeah. plenty of opportunities into the business. Um, then it, then I'm the filter. <laughs> and just yeah. making sure that we, you know, dot our, uh, dot our I's, cross our T's, and, yeah. and really just make sure that there's plenty of opportunities out there. It's just making sure that we, we, yeah. we d- take the right ones.
1: Especially when you look at it. I mean, I, I, I feel a bit amazed that there's four of you. But let's look at a band. A band is exactly that. Mm. Yeah, you've got a lead singer in some respects. So it doesn't mean they're the captain of the band, right? Mm. Often the, the drummer or there's plenty of people that actually have more influence or, or greater. Um, and back to you, you're harmonising. Have you yet had your moment where the band sitting around going, this is really tough and we're going to have a real heart-to-heart and we're going to realign with what our values are and what our vision is have you had that yet or are you just strapped onto the side of this sort of runaway train still
2: well funny you say that only a couple of weeks ago we we had a um, we every year we get together and we talk um more high level strategy for the year um we had a off-site we went away for the weekend and brought our senior leadership team along with uh, with us and we we take moments like that to really talk high level so um if you looked back a few years, the runaway train example is exactly what it was like. Um, yeah. And and the problem with that is is that you're, you're dealing with things as they come and you're being very reactive. Um, we've recognised that the only way that you can really uh, succeed is is to know mm. where you're going and 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 also plan plenty of steps ahead. So that's yeah. something that we've really made made uh, a conscious effort mm-hmm. to
0: do. Especially with a team of this size now and us as the founders, we have to set the vision, set the intention yep. for the business. And we have such an amazing team who work with us day to day that we have to get out the weeds so we can bring everything in and the team can execute yeah. everything. Yeah.
1: Well, what's interesting, there'll be moments when there's harmony and then as things sort of grow or change or you take investment or whatever it is, there can be disharmony. So as you evolve, it doesn't always evolve because th- just – outside forces can impact it. And so I I really like what you're talking about there. So you're, you're proactive and you're preventative in terms of there being friction from a strategic point of view. But the emotional part, you guys should start to build in Um, very normal, not just doing it when there's an emergency or your relationships or your your ability to communicate or getting on each other's nerves. Because this stuff will happen, right? You know, any good relationship like a marriage, it takes so much work, right? Small 1% is because you change. You know, there you are, you're really cool, but then you have kids and all of a sudden you're parenting differently. And so for you guys, it's really nice not to just go, right, we can always get someone together that comes down and cracks us open and sees how are we being satisfied? Are we being listened to? Do we feel it's equal? But actually doing those at the end of each year as well. And so what I do with my team is I, I do heart and the head. And so we will do things. So I'll go over there and my team in Philippines or I'll do over in in Miami or or London and I'll sit down and and first I just go, right, we're going to do a whole session on the heart, right? And it might be as simple as bring in a sacred object. What means something to you and share why? Because by doing that, A, it makes it easy rather than just this open-ended question. But B, it's like, right, this is what I'm working towards. This is my very first ticket because for me, it's about giving people an experience or someone else It might be, you know, I didn't come from a lot of money. And so, for me, it's the ability to give back to my family. Whatever those things are, when you're aligned to those, it just helps you identify them. And also, just as a big emotive, heartfelt bonding session, and you do that with your senior leaders, you could do that with your whole company Mm. at different stages. I just think it starts to create a dialogue and a, a vulnerable way of communicating that holds you in good stead and gets that muscle pumping, not just when you need it. It's again, like the strategy being preventative. Your industry is sort of pretty transient. Uh, it's trend-based at times. How, how have you guys gone about building your brand?
0: Early on, I guess it was it was the four of us with, with the club nights and kind of creating that brand. As, as we've grown, the business has grown, a lot of that insight can come from tech and stats and, and getting all that in there as well. But from that, the brands the brands are pivotal to what we do. A brand like Beyond the Valley and, and Wildlands and Grapevine, we're, we're creating a full ecosystem around yeah. those. So everything from the lineup for that brand, the ethos of that brand is it a camping festival or is yeah. it a, a single day
2: event? It's all very important in that full package. And the most important thing for us is to make sure that each of our brands stand on their own two feet, yeah. so that um, you know it doesn't just feel like the same thing over and over.
1: Let's take your favourite brand or perhaps maybe the most resonant, strongest brand. Which one would that be? Would that be... Beyond the Valley. Yeah, Yeah, Beyond the Valley. Okay, let's talk about that. So how do you build a community around that and keep that community engaged so that outside of the actual event itself, you're still feeding them and you've got a platform there that you can monetize in other ways. Like, do you know what I mean? So uh, BTV is once a year, yeah? Yeah. Okay, so what do you do in the middle of the year? You know, do you, is there something that you can do there or do you not need to? Like, what's your approach to it?
0: We speak to that audience very regularly. Yeah. So I mean, Beyond the Valley is the crown jewel, but that audience that we've developed through that, we want to – we want to give them events all throughout the year, so we'll yeah. do we, it. There's a brand we use called Untitled Day Party, and we'll we'll bring a headliner, an electronic headliner in, find a unique space or a warehouse or a, yeah. a park or a velodrome, and we'll create a, a massive production and create a, a mini festival for that audience. And by using Untitled in that, we're growing the Untitled brand, yeah. but everyone knows Untitled runs beyond the valley. So gotcha. it kind of helps to feed that in there as well
1: yep and so untitled it is it's it's a brand in itself it's not just sort of like the holding company that sits in the background you want people to go oh here's a new thing oh it's from untitled i've got trust there
0: yeah when someone sees untitled presents they know they're getting top yep. notch production we don't yep. spare any expense to have great production um they're getting a strong lineup we're tapped into electronic music and an event brand that they can trust
1: yep How much time do you guys spend sitting around talking about brand? And I know that you've got Underscore, which is your marketing creative arm, which is brilliant because you've got all these great specialists within that team. I think you've got seven of the superstars. So how do you, yeah, how do you approach brands? And and do you guys have those discussions or is that more, is that Mike? Uh, Well, we actually have
2: our own internal marketing team on the Untitled side in addition to the agency. Um, They, alongside... um, us founders uh, are very, uh, they're very particular about exactly what they want for each of our brands, and wow. everybody's very passionate, um, which is a great thing. <laughs> uh, do you have to fight as a founder? Do you have to fight for your ideas as well? Absolutely, but I think it's a great thing. Uh, like we encourage. Um, yeah. passion and yeah. and opinions of Cause, everyone cause within the got, business.
1: they've got ownership of it Absolutely. too. Absolutely,
2: yeah. And that, that's the thing when, when it comes to our brands and, and festivals in particular, there there is a sense of ownership over it, not just from yeah. the people who run it, but, but the patrons who attend as
1: well. Can we talk about innovation? Like, what are the stupid, crazy ideas? I mean, as you said, um, Untitled Day Pass, was it? Day Party. Day Party. You could just try something off the wall and see if it sticks, yeah? And then you're like, oh, let's just tap this a couple more times. Shit. This has got some demand in it. Let's turn this into something. Have you got any examples like that? I guess we we'll do
0: that with pockets of of music and and yeah. genres. Like we'll we'll test different artists throughout the year by touring them in the twelve months that Beyond the Valley isn't happening. So by testing a certain headliner or testing a certain artist in a headline run yeah. nationally, we can see what their pull is, and we can
2: and we can use that to help sell the festival.
1: When do you guys stress
2: when we go on sale? That's probably the most stressful time for our large events. You build your budgets, you start your marketing campaigns, but you really don't know how things are going to turn out until you go on sale. And that can be the best day of the year or the most stressful. And even when we announce our lineup as well... Oh, yeah. The
0: the reaction you get from the general public, you can kind of tell how things are going to go. And we spend... You know, we started booking for Beyond the Valley this coming New Year's, yeah. back in September. So we spent a lot of time on it, yeah. and when that gets announced yeah. and can get ripped to shreds sometimes, yeah. you feel it.
1: Is that you, Nick? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's amazing. And then also... Um, Christian, you're worried about the numbers, yeah? Of course I am, yeah.
0: we <laughs> have so okay. got different things we're stressing yeah. about.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
2: it's just a constant <laughs> state of stress, a <laughs> yeah. heightened level. But
1: is it a constant <laughs> state of stress or not?
2: Look, there's the highs and the lows, but that's why we do it. The thing that we've learnt over time is that we – well, the, the thing that we've built now is the ability for us to be able to ride the peaks and yeah. troughs of the business by having multiple events, yeah. touring business, and all of the other ancillary businesses that we've now started. It doesn't take away from the stress that you get when those yeah. you know when you get those hits, but it does definitely yeah. help. Yeah,
0: and there's there's levels as well. Like right now, we've got a few headliners locked in for New Year's next year, this year. So not very stressed. But last year, about two weeks out, we were down a headliner and spent the whole weekend staying up dealing with agents overseas yeah. to get that done and that was extremely stressful <laughs>
1: yeah and then even if you have locked away you can't rest on that you no. do have contingencies people are on waiting lists and hoping there is a as a bit of an understudy what piece of feedback have you got from um the lineup announcement via social that's hit you in the chest
0: Nick? Um, uh there's one word that comes to mind instantly oh mid oh it gives me chills you'll see it on coachella you'll see it on glastonbury you see yeah. it on other events that like get announced it means a mid-level lineup and if i never hear that word ever again yeah, wow. <laughs> i'll be extremely happy
1: so you're you're running from the word <laughs> me yeah. yeah it haunts me it haunts me <laughs> shit have you copped it yet yeah
0: Heaps. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Not not heaps. No, but, um, yeah. but there's been. There'll always be. I mean, there'll always be dickhead. Because I mean, it's, it's it's taste. It's a matter of taste. So yep. you're trying to minimize the amount of people that say mid, but you'll never eliminate it because there's always going to be people that don't like your lineup.
0: Yeah? And and people are chasing likes on comments as well, and oh, they, they yeah. want the the TikTok views as well. So if there's one mid, then there's 500, and then you know it's it can
2: just it can roll, it can snowball.
1: Yeah, that um, that's amazing. So how big can this thing get?
2: It's because we want to take it. You know, we have a grand vision to take over the Australian industry here and, and, and also abroad. We've also started doing some touring in Asia and in New Zealand, which um, I'm sure Nick can speak a bit more to, but um, sky's the limit.
1: Could you ever spread yourselves too thin? Could you ever enter into categories, verticals, styles that that it sort of starts to wobble a bit? I think we've had
0: moments of that the last 13 years where we take on too many projects, the team's really stressed, we can feel it, the vibe's not great, and we're like, we've taken on too much. We need to either okay. level up or something's got to give and we've got to pull a project back. So we've had moments of that for sure.
1: Level up as in resource up.
2: Yeah. That can actually not be the, an- the the best answer. Yeah.
1: So we've
2: recognised that there's um sometimes there's, there's more strength in doing less and doing it better than yeah. doing everything.
1: Yeah, and I suppose that's what your guiding North Star is. If mm-hmm. if one of your values is right, it's an unforgettable experience. You know, bigger isn't always better. You can give someone an unforgettable experience, and and ensure that the that you that your strike rate on that being unforgettable is higher than actually going. We're going to go to more people, have more events.
2: Yeah, or yeah. it could be unforgettable for the wrong reasons because <laughs> you haven't been able to really make sure that the event experience is as we expect. So, yeah, it's it's definitely important to make sure that what we do, we do it well, and yep. by by making sure that we, you know, we've got the the resources available. To, to do it that way.
1: Don't fret, Christian. It's not fire Festival. <laughs> oh,
2: that, that doco gave me nightmares. When we watched that, <laughs> all we could think about was BTV Year One because BTV Year One, although it was an amazing experience, we got hit with yeah. like insane levels of wind which like half the stage was like, falling over and there was... Yeah just every problem that you could think could happen, happened at that festival, and, and it yeah. was, you know, it was yeah. haunting watching that, that <laughs> documentary.
1: Yeah, I, I honestly, if I was a solo founder in that, I'd just cry and, and implode, but having three others by your side, with I think... A shoulder was... to cry on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jules Lund here with you on Startup Nation, joined by Nick Greco and Christian Soreo, who alongside Mike and Phil, founded Independent Music and Events Powerhouse Untitled group, who last year alone, celebrated, half a million tickets sold, 250 events, festivals hosted, a um, 1,000 artists booked, 100-plus uh, completed artist tours. And you might know of their festivals. You've got Beyond the Valley, Pitch Music and Arts, Wildlands, Grapevine Gathering, For the Love... But have you heard of Ability Fest? It is the world's first annual music festival aimed at normalising disability. And it's a festival that is specifically designed, it's got architecture to cater for people of all levels of ability. Proceeds go to the Dylan Alcott Foundation. And here is the man himself giving us a tour of the groundbreaking event space. This right here is Bidney Maps. They use beacon technology to educate people about where the important sites are. So, for example, if you are blind, you can get voice commands about where everything is. This is one of the things we're most proud of. It's the silent disco, right? But it's a bit different. If you like deaf or hard of hearing, you might not be able to hear the music. You can put on a vibrating suit so you can feel the bass and the synth and the guitar and the drums through your body. These are the elevator platforms. Normally, we can't see anything. But Ability best everybody's going to be able to see. We want absolutely every single major event all around the world to be like Ability first, and the way to do it is to listen to live experience of people with disability. We know what we need, all right? That's all you get to see at Ability Fest. You're going to have to come next year. I'm going to go get in the crowd, baby. Let's
2: go. Oh my God. Makes Dylan. sense why Dylan lost his voice. I
0: thought oh, no. you had to surprise us with Dylan in this year.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, he's all good. I tell you what, I mean, my early days, I've known Dylan since he was a school squeak, right? And um, I live around the same hood as him. And we've had some very big nights at Meredith Music Festival. In fact, one of them, we everyone lifted him up and put him, the first time he crowd surfed all the way. To... Was
2: that to perform with Ghostface Killer? Yeah, yeah. it was
1: out of control. <laughs> uh, it was monstrous. But anyway, Ability Fest, it's just so brilliant. Like, I watched the video and that's what I was, you know, I, I wanted to grab that audio from from Dill because it's not just like this oh we're making it a bit easier it's like purpose built design you had hilltop woods there it's just effing awesome how did it come about
0: Dylan has always been everywhere he's always been at a lot of events enjoying himself yep. um and I remember being at a house party with Dylan and he came up to me and he said that he wanted to he wanted to raise money for the Dylan Allcott Foundation but not do a boring gala not do something that way and he said he wanted to run a music festival and he asked, if you know, is there any venues? Can we help out? And we owned the, a venue called the Coburg Velodrome at that time. Uh, and we said, why don't we do it there? And it kind of just snowballed from there, really. And it was a really natural, organic relationship. Yeah. With Dylan
1: and I mean the ideas that you guys came up with, and obviously each one with a disability has a certain need, right? So, you know, before you know it, you've got like, and we had to cut that audio down. There was like he was going around to about fifteen different activations or ways that it enhanced the experience. Surely this is a global platform. I mean this this has just got so much potential.
0: Yeah, there's there's been inquiries from people all over the world to to bring it to other cities, other countries, and. Um, This year, there's going to be an extra city that we're doing, but Dylan's got grand aspirations and and (laughs) always does. So we'll take the dream as far as he wants to take it.
1: So what's what's the business structure of that then?
0: We reproduce everything. We book the lineup. We we execute the event. Um, We kind of fulfill the dream that way. Um, So yeah, we reproduce the whole thing.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and we've we've now to date uh, raised over a million dollars for the foundation. Already. Yeah.
1: And so how many have you run?
2: Uh, so we've run four, I believe, so far. Yeah. They've always been in Victoria. But um yeah, yeah, we're moving up to Brisbane this year as well. So doing the two this year.
1: Yeah. And and what sort of feedback do you get from from the guests?
2: It's always the greatest day of
0: their lives and it's so heartwarming for us. It's an event that our team are so proud to produce. Probably the only festival where everyone can bring their parents yeah. as well. Yeah. Um and it's just, it's an amazing day. I wouldn't
1: bring my parents to meet Dylan. Not at a music festival. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what are some of the other ways that your team hopes to have social impact? You know, the, the whole group. What are some of the other conversations? And, you know, you've all got, you know, a social conscience and, and young and, and got the abilities. What does that look like?
0: Yeah, a big thing in in my role, in my team's role in the business is making sure we signed the Key Change Pledge in 2019, which we pledged to have at least 50% non-cisgendered males on our lineup yeah. by 2022. And we've achieved that in every single event across the board. And I feel like we're one of the only promoters wow. who've been able to, to do
1: that. So, can you break that down again? And also, not entrepreneur, not all entrepreneurs and our listeners will understand cis male. So, do you want to just say, give us an idea of that?
0: Yeah. So, at, at least half of our lineup is with uh, f- female artists and, and non-binary yeah. artists as well.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Well, that was Nick Greco and Christian Soreo, two of the four founders behind Australia's largest independently owned music and events company, Untitled Group. Take my hat off to them. Just one of many interviews we do each day. If you want more, catch me live on air each weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. on DOB Plus or online at disrupt.radio. And make sure you follow the podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you later.
0: Disrupt Radio. Tune in to Opportunity.